kind of like that saying, how would you know if there's a vegan in the room? Don't worry, they'll be the first to tell you, right? <laughs> when the waiter's around or whatever. And I used to laugh at that joke until I've sort of discovered through DNA testing or whatever that I probably shouldn't be eating too much gluten. Yeah. And now I'm the one looking on the menu for the, you know, the gluten-free option. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of karmic payback for laughing at the vegan joke. I wonder what my karmic payback will be because I laughed at that vegan joke. <laughs> This is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. This is episode 989. Today I'm having a chat to Alana Wexler from teachtraffic.com. Welcome back. Thank you, James. It is always a pleasure to come and chat to you. So quite a lot's changed since I last spoke with you. Uh, you know, last year I wrapped up my podcasting a bit early, had a Christmas off in January. And then I watched the unfolding of AI permeating its way into the online space. Now, of course, people listening to this show will be familiar that we've been talking about this topic. I think now this is up to seven years. We've had guests on before talking about it, saying it's coming, that it can help do presentations, it can help you behind the scenes, the platforms are using it. We're all using AI anyway, even if it autofills our Gmail or it prompts you with your LinkedIn reply. Like AI is everywhere, but people just didn't realize it. And now, of course, marketers get a hold of it and turn it into something massive. But not only that, I think non-marketers are talking about it. That's what's different. When my kids tell me about it, when my friends are aware of it, when it's in the mainstream media talking about passing university exams, when teachers are concerned about it, kids using it in the classroom, tools like chat, GPT are everywhere. Big companies like Microsoft investing a fortune in it, integrating it into their search results. It's really pulled the rug on the industry. This is a tectonic plate earthquake situation. This is the first episode where I'm talking about it in a sort of more newsworthy manner compared to predictive before. So we were saying it's coming. I remember Mike Rhodes said at the time, it'll happen slowly and then it happens suddenly. Mm. Well, suddenly it's just started. And where we'll be in a year from now will be significant because at the time of recording this, I'm using tools like GTP3, and then I've, I hear that GTP4 is 100 times more powerful. And I've seen it disrupt parts of our business and certainly some of my partners because I've got partners in search engine optimization. I've got partners like you, Alana, in the traffic world, and I've got my own partnership in a recruitment business. We've started seeing candidates submitting perfect essays in record time, and we know that there's something going on. I've seen um, platforms like Upwork or Fiverr start to respond to this. Fiverr ran a full-page ad saying, hey, we come in peace, AI. We want to work with you. But that might not pan out the way it is. But, I mean, the topic of today's episode is where does AI currently fit into our marketing matrix? You know, is it part of the equation? And I want to know from you, Alana, as a traffic expert, and I know you do paid traffic especially but also you've been looking at the implications of content-related traffic as well lately in teachtraffic.com. What are you seeing in terms of the way AI is changing the behaviours of people running ads? Yeah, it's a good question. I really think um, this feels like a little bit of a game-changer insofar as it's just a lot more accessible for everyday people to really harness the power of it. I'm seeing... Uh, so obviously in my job of like helping people run traffic, a huge part of kind of 
advertising, really, whether it's online or, or offline, it doesn't actually matter, is in research, right? Research of customer avatars, research of the product. How does it differentiate to its competitors? What are the features? What are the benefits? And all that is really time-consuming, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're hiring someone to do it for you. Nonetheless, that research and that little grunt, marketing grunt work, essentially, is time-consuming. And this really speeds it up in a pretty profound way. And, you know, I've been playing with it some time now, and I certainly don't want to profess to be an expert. This is changing so quickly and updates are just happening all the time. But I can certainly see applications which just save a lot of people a lot of time. But essentially that's kind of, and that's personally the way that I'm using it. I'm using it to distill a lot of information for me I don't copy and paste the output verbatim. It's a starting point that I then can kind of use my own intel and, you know, swipe the cream off the top. But it just saves me a huge amount of research time that I think will really benefit your listeners. And, you know, perhaps in this episode, James, you and I can kind of pick a sample product that, you know, I would really know nothing about. (laughs) And we can, you know, discuss how one could use such a tool to do their research that they could then use those outputs in sort of their overall marketing campaigns. Oh, that does sound like fun. That sounds very actionable. So what you're saying is you're prepared to do a demo of the sorts of things that people could start using AI for in the background. And I imagine that a lot of this is what we paid agencies big fees to do in the background with real people, with real teams, right? It's not cheap to do research. So when they're paying a fee, probably a good chunk of that was to hire people to go and do research and laboriously build lists of keywords and map out campaigns and all. Are you saying that that can be leveraged now? Absolutely. I mean, you one hires an agency to do a number of things to do, obviously, product research, to then use that product research to write ad copy, sales copy, Facebook ads, 10 possible Facebook ad headlines, a YouTube ad script of a certain length, write a sales page. I mean, you name it. In a certain tone or certain voice. Exactly. First person versus third person. Do you write a joke? I mean, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of mind-blowing actually. And I mean, the applications and the opportunities are actually really endless. And I, many people are freaking out about this. I personally find this incredibly exciting because this does, like you said, feel like a tectonic shift in that it's now accessible to many people. And as you said, AI is not new. And so it's really just become, there's a lot more applications for it, I would say. It's definitely been in the background and it's been used by companies, predictive analysis, et cetera. I think it's just been brought close to the people. We now have access to it. So it's kind of like computers, When I was at school, towards the end of my schooling, computers were starting to come in. You'd go to the computer room at the school and you could use a computer for one lesson, which we mostly played games like trying to kill each other (laughs) in virtual mazes. And then I'd go home and we had this, uh, I think it was 16K computer, a micro B, 16B or something. It was like incredibly unpowerful. And you'd load a cassette to load up a game. But they were kind of really only available in small doses. And then now, of course, we carry around a phone that has more power than what took man to the moon, if you believe that we went to the moon. (laughs) We probably did. Some people still don't. 
I tell you what AI has really done, it's crossed the threshold of where it's usable. Now I've got a shortcut on my phone where I've got a link to chat GPT. If you're on an Apple phone, for example, in Safari, when you go to any website, you can basically save the link to your home screen and then now you've got an icon. So you're basically turning any website into an app. I've actually been using chat GPT more and because I had a couple of months off recording podcasts and was actually overseas, I was having an inception holiday. You know, like it's a holiday when you have a holiday within a holiday. <laughs> um, so I went from Australia to the Philippines and then from the Philippines, I went to the surf region. So I was like, there with just my phone for weeks on end. And I was finding I use it every day. Yeah. And it's really powerful. It can do anything from design a house floor plan through to come up with a business plan for a particular type of business. It's a good research tool. Like it can play a dietitian, it can play a doctor, it can play a poet. Speeches, for example, you could ask it to write a speech, include these three stories and make sure to include a joke, right? And it can come up with something pretty fun. So yeah, what we're seeing is where you used to pay for services or supply, you can now have that tool in-house and augment with your own team or just yourself and get a long way down the track. That's really the punchline, right? Absolutely. I do want to stress though, you know, the temptation for people is just to have a look at the output and just copy paste and and just use that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I see this really as a tool of so that you don't stare at a blank screen. (laughs) Yeah, no no copyright would have a blank screen anymore. It just shouldn't be possible because you can get a starting thing. And I've always said I'd rather have someone dig out the diamond and then I just polish it. That's right. Then have to go and dig it out, right? So an example in my team, right, I've said to my team, no one in our team is being replaced by AI. Yeah. I know Hormosi had a popular video, which was kind of clickbaity anyway. I told my team to replace themselves. <laughs> but there's so many things that AI can't quite do just yet. But basically all these tools are coming to the market and there's a competition. It's a space race right now for the best tools. I've said to the team, do not buy any AI tools on annual Yeah, because they'll probably be dead in a year from now. Absolutely. There'll be so many new tools coming to the market. But when we do find a little tool that we like, a client of mine, actually Rick Mulready referred me to a tool that he was using and he used that tool to replace an agency and that was interesting enough for me to try it. I gave it to my team and they've used it to increase our output from one short video per day to three short videos per day. And the tool just augments what they were doing manually, but we still hand finish the last part of the process. So this is the big point. So point one, AI tools are now in your hands as a consumer. Yeah. Point two, they probably won't replace something fully and you can't use their end output. You need to still have a human finish. An example that might be Let's say English isn't your first language, but you're using AI to produce English output samples of something, but it still takes an English native speaker to have the context to know if this is good or bad or if it meets the mark or not. They won't really have any way of knowing unless they have the context, right? So that's where the human interaction and the emotion and the gut feel and the judgment can still be quite useful at this time. That might get way better in a year from now. And I'm sure it will, you know, we're, we'd be foolish to think that it won't improve markedly, but it doesn't mean that you don't start using it now. And as you say, using the output to really discern what is good output and how do you refine that and refine that. And, and a lot of that comes down to writing good inputs. You know, you have a bad input, you get a bad output. So 
how does one get really good inputs in order to get some really good output? I reckon they find a data analyst, a former data analyst who knows about these things and then puts them on the spot with a case study scenario. <laughs> so in this case, uh, Alana, by chance, were you ever a, a data analyst? It's true. True story. In my past life. Perfect. All right. Well then, so why don't we just imagine that I am, um, that I'm a small business, I'm a, into the vegan type market and that I have a cookbook. And I'm interested in running some marketing campaigns for this. And I have a blank canvas. I don't have an agency. I don't have tens of thousands of dollars to pay someone to do this. And I don't have 10 hours a day to tool around trying to learn how to get the basics going. What sort of prompts could I use to start getting marketing happening for my vegan cookbook? Great. Okay. So like I've played around with this a lot. And what I've found is that in order to generate really good output down the track, we need to kind of make sure that the AI system really understands what the product is and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of have to tease kind of some information out initially, okay? So I would type in something like this and, and we can just do it as we go. Yeah, let's do it. and which tool are you going to use today, Alana? I'm going to use the chat GPT. Okay. And that's because it's the most widely available and easily accessible tool at this time. And that will change, of course, with Google's Bard coming into the play. Even though their first demo went so poorly, they dropped $100 billion in share value the same day. I know, I know. But there will be more. And I'm using chat, I'm using GTP3 primarily because it's always available. And if you prompt well, it still works great. But I think this is a really great example to use in this scenario. Yeah, and I think it's sort of um, would be quite applicable to your audience because, you know, there are a lot of information marketers out there. And so if you're trying to sell a cookbook, it's obviously selling information. So I started initially with, um, so this is the prompt. I would like to write some content for a product I'm trying to sell. The product is a vegan cookbook. Do you understand? Question mark. The prompt comes back. The output is, yes, I understand. I'd be happy to help you write some compelling content for your vegan cookbook. What type of content would you like me to write? The overview of the book, product description, or something else? <laughs> so I'm not going to kind of, I want to make sure that this system understands the benefits and the features. So I. So you're basically setting it up. And, and I've seen similar ones like, I'd like you to act as a marketing specialist and yeah, blah, blah, that's blah. So up. you can, can you basically set the frame for it. Exactly. So then I say, what are the benefits of eating vegan? So forget about the fact that it's a cookbook. Let's just kind of think about what are the benefits of just eating vegan as a concept. And so the, you know, there are a number of benefits to eating a vegan. This is the output, by the way. There are a number of benefits to eating a vegan diet. Some of the most significant include, I won't go into the full details, but the bullet points are improved health, weight management, better digestion, better environment, animal welfare. These are just a few of the benefits of a vegan diet. By including a variety of plant-based foods, you can ensure you're getting all the nutrients you need to feel your best. Now, these benefits, these five bullet points of improved health, weight management, these are all potential bullet points on your sales page. They're yep. potential bullet points or benefits in your Facebook ad. So it's sort of compiling and summarizing a lot of that research that I would have to do of what are the benefits <laughs> to eating vegan. And if you had put together a vegan cookbook, you would look at this and instantly know if it's 
in the wheelhouse or not. Like if there was something wrong, you'd say, oh, hang on, no, this is actually completely wrong, which sometimes happens. But also you would know, oh, gosh, yeah, I hear that one all the time from my clients. You'd start to be able to weight them even. Absolutely. And I mean, even as the output says, these are just a few of the many benefits of vegan diet. I mean, the next prompt I could say would be- Give me a hundred (laughs) more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if some of them weren't quite right, I could go, well, yes, that's good, but I want more. I didn't. Well, that's where it's it's good to specify numbers sometimes. I might say, I'd like you to give me 10 counterintuitive clickbait style titles in relation to the topic of vegans- that most people think are true, but actually aren't, et cetera. And, and you can get it to set up in a certain style. Absolutely. And the important thing here is each of those benefits are, um, as I said, have an application in many other forms of your marketing. You could write a content piece on each of those, or obviously get ChatGPT to write your content. <laughs> a podcast episode on each topic. Exactly. A training lesson. That's right. So then I go and say, what problems does eating vegan solve? Once again, because I want to be using that in sales copy. And so the output is eating a vegan diet can help solve or mitigate several problems, including, and I won't go into the full descriptions, but the bullet points are health issues, environmental problems, animal welfare, food sustainability. By choosing a vegan diet, you can help address some of the most pressing problems facing our planet and inhabitants. And so then I say, Consider yourself a a marketer, create a customer avatar for someone who is likely to purchase a vegan cookbook. So this is where I'm really leaning in on what would be my potential marketing agency, right? Because this is the type of work that they would do, right? Of building a profile of the type of person who would purchase a cookbook and just do it for me. So sure, here's an example of a customer avatar for someone who is likely to purchase a vegan cookbook. Name Sarah, age 35, occupation, marketing manager. <laughs> so Sarah is a 35-year-old marketing manager who lives in San Francisco. She is a health conscious and has been interested in plant-based for several years. She follows several vegan influencers on social media. And it goes on to that she's an active person, likes trying cooking, etc. I mean, I know a little bit about vegan. I'd say this is pretty bang on, you know? It does, and this is the part of the podcast where we say, like, I'm not endorsing vegan or unendorsing it. I have no opinion on it. I eat meat, so this doesn't apply to me specifically. But it does sound about right. Definitely, You know, the part that I would not have necessarily thought of that it sort of reminds me is absolutely these people would be following influencers. This is a very influenced type of, of way to eat. These people are usually very strongly opinionated and will passionately argue and debate this. It's kind of like that saying, how would you know if there's a vegan in the room? Don't worry, they'll be the first to tell you, right? <laughs> when the waiter's around or whatever. And I used to laugh at that joke until I've sort of discovered through DNA testing or whatever that I probably shouldn't be eating too much gluten. Yeah. And now I'm the one looking on the menu for the, you know, the gluten-free option. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of karmic payback for laughing at the vegan joke. I wonder what my karmic payback will be because I laughed at that vegan joke. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Anyway, okay, so then my next input is to write a sales page for this customer avatar, Sarah, because the output was that the person's name is Sarah. 
And I say use concepts and ideas from the marketing book, Breakthrough Advertising. I mean, you know, pretty amazing. So then it does a sales letter for me. This is all instant, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. people yeah. listeners should know this. I didn't wait days for a response. It was instant. Dear Sarah, are you looking for a delicious, healthy, and easy to follow vegan recipes? Do you want to learn more about the benefits? Look no further. Our vegan cookbook has everything you need to start the journey to whether healthy or more, whatever. I'm not going to write the whole thing, but it kind of goes through bullet points with our cookbook. You'll learn how to incorporate more plant-based options in your diet, choose the right ingredients. I mean, this is a really good- Where do you think that rates in terms of, uh, you know, someone who's gone through a four-year or three or four-year marketing course and graduates and they're now in a junior role in an agency, do you think they'd be able to produce something around this similar level? I do believe so. But as I said- this is an amazing starting point of which some- It's instant, yeah. It's, in, it's so good, isn't it? It really is. I mean, this is something that you can really have a really good crack at editing. Don't copy it. But- now, they warn you that the thing that AI is generally not good at is emotion and stories. Yep. But I do think if you prompt it well, you can actually, you can tell it to involve include emotion or to be sure to include an, an anecdote or to use a story modelled around Goldilocks and the three bears, right? And it does it, it which does. is crazy. I've been using it for story frameworks. Yeah, amazing. I then say now rewrite this sales page because I'm not quite happy with the first draft using the first person and use a joke and the benefits of eating vegan. I say that because I'm referencing what I previously asked. Also, let people know we offer a money-back guarantee, okay? Nice. (laughs) So, yeah, it rewrites it completely. Where's the joke? I need to hear the joke. Yeah, let's have a look for it. Plus, I've thrown in a few jokes to keep things light in front of the kitchen. I mean, what's the point of cooking if you can't have a little laugh, right? (laughs) And the best part, I offer a 100% money-back guarantee. Well, it's definitely light and fun, isn't it? It's got a tone about it. Yeah, exactly. And then we can say... Now, turn this sales letter into a YouTube ad. Write a one and a half minute ad script, which would work on YouTube. Use the principles of direct response advertising using the problem, agitate and solution framework. (laughs) And actually, I've just put this in now as we're typing and it's producing a YouTube ad for me. So it's got a voiceover. Hi, Sarah, are you tired of feeling stuck in a cooking rut? Do you want to make healthy, delicious food that's also good for the planet? Look no further. I've got the solution you've been searching for. Yeah, and then it's got visuals of Sarah cooking in the kitchen, looking frustrated. I mean, this is a great brief that you could send someone. Wow. And you can load this text to some of the tools like Descript or some of the other AIs, which will read that in your voice. If you train it on your voice, it can read that with your voice or any voice you tell it to read it in or load samples of, which is crazy, isn't it? You could have this read by a famous actor's voice. If yeah. you, I'm probably not allowed to. You've got to tick the box saying you own the copyright to it, but you can train it on any voice and it will read it in that voice. Exactly. Then we can say, now rewrite this script using a joke and let people know we are a family business and offer a money back guarantee. Once again, it is spitting it out automatically. So, I mean, this is exactly what, I hate to say it, an agency would be doing for you. This is ex- yeah. all this grunt work that they're doing that it's- Why do you hate to say it? What's the emotion there? Well, I guess it's, you know, agencies are going to have to really pivot and adapt. You know, that's the truth. What does it mean for an agency? What I think it means is they should definitely be augmenting their in-house fulfillment with these tools, they're providing the, their team access to this. To leverage it. They might want to be careful about overhiring at the moment. Yep. And they'll definitely want to be good. You've got to be better than the tools standard to, to stand above it. I mean, 
the first question I asked myself when I saw all this lately is, can my clients replace me with AI? Mm. And I came up with the answer, no. And I said, why not? Because currently they can't replace my experience, my in-person experience, which isn't written and documented on the web because all of this information was loaded in by a human, right? It said, here's all the stuff we want to start with. And then a human programs it. And they can't replace my judgment and my cross-pollination access. They don't have access to my database. They don't have access to my experience and they don't have access to human empathy and compassion yet. So lean into the areas that the AI cannot replace. That's probably the the most important thing. And if if you're a particularly good copywriter or you're particularly good at running ads, then find out where you're the absolute best in the world at and lean into that. But definitely if you're running a mediocre shop or if you're not doing anything particularly special, you need to adapt right now. Absolutely. Yep. Just to continue on our little experiment here, I then right now write a Facebook ad for this product. So it says image of a vegan cookbook with mouthwatering dishes on the cover. Obviously, that's not in the copy. That's just the pretense. Headline, say goodbye to boring meals and hello to delicious and healthy vegan cooking. Body copy? Are you tired of the same? And whatever. But basically, the output is a really good first attempt. Then I can say, write 10 possible clickbait headlines for this Facebook ad. And obviously, if I was not happy with the first draft of the Facebook ad, I could say, rewrite this Facebook ad with, and then whatever guidance that I've got to give it, maybe tell a story. Is there one there that you think sounds good? Of these clickbait headlines? Yeah, let's see what it came up with. So just for the lit purpose of the listener, I'll, I'll read them out to you. Yeah. Headline one, discover the secret to healthy and delicious meals with our vegan cookbook. Not bad. Headline two, transform your meal routine with these mouthwatering vegan recipes. Number three, say goodbye to boring meals forever with our must-have vegan cookbook. Four, get your taste buds ready for a healthy and delicious adventure. Interesting. Mm. Five, unleash your inner chef with these vegan cooking tips and tricks. Okay. Six, make mealtime fun again with our delicious vegan cookbook. That's probably good because mealtime can be pretty boring. I like the one with the adventure, get your taste buds ready for a delicious adventure because that could speak to someone who doesn't yet know that they need to be a vegan. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Number seven, the only cookbook you'll ever need for healthy and tasty vegan meals. Eight, discover how easy and fun healthy cooking can be with our vegan cookbook. Nine, don't settle for boring meals anymore. Get your copy of our vegan cookbook today. Evaluate your cooking skills and make healthy eating a breeze with our vegan cookbook. Once again, really good starting point, you know? You don't have to sort of stare at that blank screen and brainstorm of all the possible kind of variations. But what we can also do is we can kind of say to it, you know, now write an article that includes features and benefits titled and I can grab one of those headlines from what it just generated of our um, from our Facebook ad, you know, so I can just copy that in. You know, so now write an article that includes features benefits titled Discover the Secret to Healthy and Delicious Meals Without Vegan Cookbook. And now it's going to write this article for me. And <laughs> I can, it's pretty amazing. I've also kind of experimented with when I'm really trying to do some kind of customer avatar research is I'll say, you know, based on the customer avatar, Sarah, from above, right, what other brands would this customer be likely to engage with? And that could possibly be my Facebook ad targeting, right, That's it. as a brainstorm, you know, because someone who's likely to buy a vegan cookbook, well, I want to know what else they buy, right? So that 
I can incorporate that. The other one I've done a few times is I've asked it for an email series. Yeah, nice. You know, like write me a three-part email follow-up sequence for people who attended my vegan cooking webinar but still hasn't purchased. And then you can keep refining that. Let them know that there's a time limit. Let them know that there's a guarantee. Remind them of these three main benefits, etc. Yeah. And we'll come up with some interesting outlines. Yeah. I've also done, you know, based also on the customer avatar, what other products would this customer be likely to purchase in other categories? Once again, targeting, you know. But, you know, back to your email sequence concept, like that's something that you would obviously use, but then incorporate a story and lace a story through it so it's original. And- cool. That's where I was doing things like Goldilocks. Yeah. Write an email, but use the story of Goldilocks, but relate it to the vegan cookbook. You can also do... Uh, what are some trade show ideas I can use for my vegan cookbook stand at the markets, et cetera. And it'll, it'll tell you all sorts of things, you know, pay attention to the tablecloth or the signage or have a competition people can enter. If you knew nothing about marketing, you could use this tool. If you're good at asking questions or if you're curious, you can keep refining the answers until you get close to the mark. Exactly. I've even said, you know, write 10 Google responsive search ads with a headline and description that talk about the above features and benefits. I mean, there you go. Like really all you need now these days to run traffic is kind of like a button pusher really to build the campaigns the right way. So let me ask you the question, like can AI replace teachtraffic.com? I don't believe it could replace teachtraffic.com. I believe it, it could replace a number of traffic agencies, not completely, a business owner would need an implementer, but in terms of what somebody would be hiring locally for, be it English first language and marketing intel and copywriting, potentially, you know. So is it basically the, you know, the lower and middle layers of a company hierarchy yeah. are more under threat here Correct. in white collar industry? I'm, I'm thinking accountants, lawyers, creative agencies, et cetera. The entry level to mid-level is the most under threat. Yeah, I would say, you know, a low-level kind of, you know, content writer. So the way I'm thinking of it, would you say that um, the things that that you can't be replaced with at the moment is you're always going to be a strategic facilitator. You're going to say, right, looking at all the pieces of the puzzle here, here's where you need to focus, here's what you don't. So you're good at the macro overview and then seeing where everything interlocks together. Correct. So the conductor of the orchestra. Yep. Even if the instruments can be replaced, you're still conducting the symphony here. And you're also facilitating the implementation, like here's an idea, bridge it now with AI, and then let's see how it executes and let's see what the information is telling us. Because obviously on, on one side of it, we've got the AI helping us prepare all our marketing. And then the other side, all of these platforms like Google, Facebook, YouTube have their own AI algorithms in the background doing their thing. So it's like a AI wars, but you're mm-hmm. helping the good guys set up and deploy and then seeing what the reaction is from the other side of it. But also, you know, what this, you know, especially chat GPT does not do is it doesn't really help people interpret data and maybe that's coming, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. You need to have context to know if it's good or bad or correct. You know, like if you're a really good copywriter and you ask it for a sales letter and you could look at it and go, yeah, it's pretty meh. But if you knew nothing about copywriting, like, you know, like most general public people, they think copywriting means someone who puts words on a page, <laughs> like the old definition of it. They don't understand that salesmanship in print. So I think it gets you a long way down the track for the research. It builds you the foundations and then you still need someone to render it and make it 
strategic, you know, strategically, should we even be working on this thing at all? Should we be doing Facebook or Google or YouTube? And then contextually, is this any good or not? Where's it going to sit? And then now we've run the campaigns. Are we checking the right buttons and ticking the right boxes? Are we overspending, underspending? Is this about right what we're spending? If we get success here, could we pollinate it over there? So that's where I think teachtraffic.com is really useful for members because you've got some brains, human brains there, making sure it all works. And I think also, James, like you said, for you know why you're not replaceable is the experience, right? Like I've run a traffic agency and I still have my agency. I've run it for 10 years now. Like I've tested every possible funnel and offer and niche under the sun. So I've got the experience of when, you know, let's say a vegan cookbook type person, you know, joins Teach Traffic, I can go, right, yeah, I've done something similar. Here's what we did before. Here's what tanked. Here's what did terribly. Don't even bother doing that, but let's do this instead. And you can just kind of cut through a lot of that testing pain, <laughs> I like to say, and as would other agencies, you know, and, and I do that still in my agency and many other agencies. I think just now agencies now are really forced to really step up mm-hmm. and, yeah, and really bring that A-level game because a lot of that lower stuff is um, is at risk of being replaced. Like I was saying to a client recently, look, you need branding style guidelines because your messaging and your look is all over the place. And on a call today, he said, yep, I looked up the AI and it told me what things should be included in a brand style guideline or whatever, and this is what it came up with. And then we were able to workshop it. So the part where I added value was to let him know this was needed in the first place. Yep. And then he used the AI to fill a lot of the stuff that you know can be gotten instantly. And then he needed someone to just render the last part and make a judgment, is it good or bad or whatever. And I was able to give some refinements yep. and then uh, give a professional example of what an output looks like. And job done. So I think the bottom line is use these tools to augment in-house and some of your supply, but definitely make revisions. If you're paying for other companies to do exactly what you can be doing in-house, then that might be an unnecessary expense. Exactly. I kind of think of it like this, of like, rather than getting an agency to do 100% of the work, right? You might get an agency or yourself to do the first, let's say 30%. AI does 40% 40% and then the remainder 30%. So you've kind of, the, the middle grunt work stuff has now gone or, or 20, 60, 20 or something like that or 10, 80, 10. However that looks for your industry, it's really to be used in conjunction with uh, good providers. I love that. It's kind of like the supermarket where you take your trolley, you check out your own items and there's one person standing there to unjam the machine when you inevitably mess it up by putting the wrong weight on the counter or <laughs> whatever, where there used to be 12 people doing the checkout. It's like exactly. it's, a, it's a combination of technology with humans. And there still are some checkout people as well. They haven't been completely replaced. That's right. There still are some. That's a good point. There's a couple of checkout people, but the bulk of the volume is probably yep. self-checked out and, in a, you know, certain well, again, it's based on how many items you've got as well and That's how right. tolerant you are with technology or not. It's actually becoming a really good analogy, isn't it? It is. A good, I mean, it, it was fresh in my mind because when I was in the Philippines, I saw the Philippines' first self-checkout. Interesting. And it's very interesting there for me because when you go to the supermarket, there are very long lines. The lines basically, there's a checkout and then there's an aisle and then the lines go down each aisle in the supermarket. So you you're trying to get an item off the shelf in between people in the line waiting for the checkout, which is kind of weird. 
yeah. and they haven't figured out how to do it differently. <laughs> and then when you check out, they have the tiniest little counter. It's no bigger than like a, a little card table. Wow. It's tiny. And I'm like, well, they've never been to an Audi ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like where they just throw it down an aisle, like it's <laughs> tiny little things, surface suits. Like you couldn't put more than a few items at once. And then there's a person putting everything in paper bags and tying it all up for you. You're not allowed to touch it. You try putting it in the bag yourself. They, oh no, no, sir. Yeah, right. And uh, someone else does it, and they put it in your bag for you. And if you buy a big thing, they'll actually take it out of the car for you. If you buy any electrics, they unbox it all and plug it in and make sure it works while you're in the store. So it takes a lot longer to buy anything, even a washing machine or whatever. Like it's all going to be unboxed. They're all all going to be checked. But the whole point is it's so different when you start to think. I contrast that with with France. Like it was 12 years ago I saw self-checkout. I'm like, oh, Oh, this is going to change things. So this is the change. I think this is, Mm. is a good metaphor because it doesn't go back. Yeah. Once the stores get a taste of people checking out their own things and not having to hire all the people who don't show up or they're sick or need to be trained, it's not going back. AI is here. And, you know, one of the big definitive things that I've noticed, I've seen a couple of marketers who were absolutely dead against NFTs and saying these people are NFTs are crazy. It's all hype. It's ridiculous. Much like me, right? I didn't really ever get the point of spending a million dollars on a picture of of an ape. And if you listen back to my podcast, I've not been a hypester, but I'm definitely seeing these people get behind AI. They see it. They see what's happening. This is is a fundamental change. I'm seeing it now. This is really one of the first episodes I'm addressing it in the now because we've been predicting it. I'm going to probably do a similar themed episode on SEO as well because I feel like absolutely the marketplace is changing around. So last year I did an episode about can AI replace copywriting and we decided, I think it was with Will Wang, that not yet. Yeah. But we said, you know, watch this space. And it's going to happen quickly now. If we were to sort of benchmark a year from now, I think we'll be saying, wow, you know, a lot of things are happening with these tools. But let's see. I appreciate you sharing this episode with us because you're taking us behind the scenes of what's actually getting done, whether you see this or not. I mean, I knew some article writers who were pulling out articles out of Jasper a year ago, a year and a half ago, but not telling their clients and just making a huge markup. Well, that game's changed today. It's changed. Yeah. The jig is up. Plus, people like me and a lot of my clients have unsubscribed from those tools because there's so many tools now flooding the market. I feel like, ironically... Those first movers, a lot of those are going to be threatened now. Mm -hmm. Like Tesla's under siege in the electric car market, their market share will rapidly decrease because everyone's in on the game now. That's right. So uh, someone wants to get help from Alana? Uh, Best place to go is teachtraffic.com. There you go. She'll teach you how to train your robots nicely and get all (laughs) your traffic firing. Obviously costs a lot less than having an agency do it all for you and you actually get to learn and have a little bit of fun along the way. I appreciate this so much. Yeah, and you can learn from me directly as well inside there. Human to human. Yeah. Thank you so much, James. <laughs> Thanks, Alana. We're going to put this up at episode 989. I'm going to ask you, Alana, if it's uh-huh. possible to, to get an export of some of those outputs that we could put in the show notes. At, at, um, Absolutely. I don't know. We'll put a link off to teachtraffic.com. We'll uh, put this up on jamesramco.com. Look for episode 989. Where does AI fit into the marketing equation? I'm James Shramko. That's Alana Wexler. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Hey, so my podcast is coming up to episode 1000. And I'm wondering if you want to 
be a part of it. So my team have sent me this thing here, sort of asked them to put together. What I want to hear about, if you've been listening to my podcast over any length of time, have you had a success from it? Have you had an insight from it? Did you have a favorite guest? Was there one soundbite you heard that had a big, profound impact in some way in your life or business? Do you just have any general comments or thoughts that you would like to share that will go out into this episode? So my team are collecting a couple of audios and videos. You could use Loom like I'm recording this on or send audio if you prefer or a private YouTube video or whatever. I'd be keen to get you to, to send some special memory of the podcast to my team. If you send it to support at jamesshramco.com, keep it short, please. Just keep it under a minute or two minutes. And we might be able to include that in the episode 1000 and uh, have a celebration around this uh, show. Thank you so much. This is James Shramko. 